All right, greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace for Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the apocalypse. For episode number 66, Fallen Land, Fallen Land? Yes, I, I, I want to say lands all the time. Fallen Land, board game. As we know, again, I am the apocalypse nerd. He is Adam Bomb Glancy, and he is our special guest. The uh, third gentleman there is uh, John. Uh, well, Last name again, John? John, John Longren. And the, the name of the game is Fallen Lands, a post-apocalyptic board game. Oh, that's, that, that's the full name. Okay, see, so I'm getting it right already. <laughs> but uh, We are nothing but professionals here at Podcast at Ground Zero. Hey, but the, the banner says, it says land. I don't see an S there. So, um, it, it's right underneath it, a post-apocalyptic board game. No, 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 the lands. You said lands. I see land. Fallen land, yeah. He said land. Oh, yeah. I thought he said lands. I don't know. I can't. I'm going deaf. So, so John's here from Fallen Dominion uh, uh, Games. They've uh, produced a board game called Fallen Land. And uh, they did a Kickstarter, uh, uh, what, about a year and a half ago? Two years ago at this point? A uh, year and a half ago? I don't remember. Uh, about a year and a half ago. It would have been um, July through September 1st, I think, something like that. Of uh, 16? Of 2016, yeah, that's where, and that's when we first met was at Gen Con 49 last year, I believe. Yes. So uh, John's got this uh, massive board game, really crunchy stuff, uh, with a post-apocalyptic setting. So we wanted to get him onto the show uh, to talk about his game. Uh, you know, we'll give the rundown, get to let you guys know what it's all about and where you can get it. So, uh, but just uh, only a couple of brief things from uh, in the news. Uh, like one I was showing Scott and him, uh, John before was, um, I went back to because I've been seeing all this stuff everybody talking about uh, with, the, with the mutant crawl, crawl classics role playing game coming out for uh, Appendix N, Appendix N, Appendix N. Because you know in the old Dungeon Master's Guide they had Appendix N, which had the recommended uh, oh, reading yeah. reading list. Now that's mostly fantasy. There's actually one or two post-apocalyptic books on there, but it's mostly uh, fantasy. Now, where I got my first reading list of books was book number three of the Aftermath role-playing game. It had a glossary in the back of books, and that's where I really started tracking down books because there was all kinds of stuff on there, like, um, you know, uh, you know, Hyra's Journey, uh, 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 Starman's Son, all that, a lot of, the, you know, uh, Long Afternoon of Earth, a lot of uh, books because remember this this uh, this came out like in late seventies, early eighty, like late seventies. So it's, it's a lot of older books, but that's where I first started going to use bookstores and tracking them down. Now, for some reason, I was never able to find this one particular book. So I went back, you know, I was looking at the list, and I'm like, oh, I never found that book. And there was this one book called "Some Will Not Die." It was kind of like a plague apocalypse game, and I tra a book, and I tracked it down. It was printed like in the six in the mid seventies. And, you know, they had a lot of printings through the 80s, but I got the one that came out, like, I believe it was 79, because it just had this, I got it for like $2. It had this awesome men's adventure, I have all the guns, and some, what is it, Scott, was it some, well, some assholes? Some jackasses goggles. Some, yeah, some jackasses goggles on. So uh, I tracked this down, because, again, it's something that, you know, 35 years ago I was looking for in used bookstores, and I forgot about it. So, welcome, but welcome to the internet age. Yeah, you can almost yeah. find anything. 
got got it on eBay. So now I got that to read amongst, you know, I have like a stack of now I have a stack of post-apocalyptic books I got to read that's like I, I can I can't even, you know, show you it's so, it's so big. Um and the only thing uh, apocalyptic that I got was I got my copy of the thing. Mm-hmm. Very the nice. Thing, infection yeah. at Outpost Thirty One. I demoed this at uh, Gen Con. Really liked it, so it's now out. So I got my copy of it. I was gonna get the special edition that Mondo Tease was putting out, um, just because it had some extra stuff in it, like some extra figures and some play and a whole bunch of other crap. But for double the price, I'm like, no way. I'm not paying for two extra plastic pieces. For, you know, I'm not paying double the price, so I just got the regular version. Even though I like having everything, I'm not paying twice the, the amount. You know, yeah. yeah. That's uh, but yeah, that's that's the model. That's how they do it. You know, so so that's it. I just want to keep it brief because I want to get into you know into John and talk to John, and talk to John's game. So because um, also I'll get more information because uh, probably people might have seen by the time they listen to this, I I, I made a post uh, before the show. Um, I'm going to start doing these little uh, segments called uh, Transmission from the Bunker because uh, I'm lazy and I hate writing stuff out. So I'm just going to do these little snippet videos of stuff like to share information with you guys. And I, t I go all about it in this post. Um, and it's kind of set up like the last one I did. It's all kind of cheesy with like a VS VHS uh, starting point at the beginning. And now I've added this 80s, you know, splash page in the like video beginning with some uh, synth pop music in front of it so it's, it's really cheesy you have to check it out so <laughs> all right um so i'll be doing a lot of those transmissions from the bunker uh, from the bunker just to like you know convey information and i explain to people how i'm going to be doing changes like i'm not posting on the um you know events anymore and i'm just everything's gonna be through the blog and i'll, I'll talk about that at the end again so but let's get to the meat of it let's uh, get talking to john so first thing we want to know john is we want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi, my name is John Lundgren. Uh, I am the CEO of Fallen Dominion Studios. Uh, I am also the co-creator of Fallen Land, a post-apocalyptic board game. Uh, right here. Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and, and folks, he did grunt like that because the box is that heavy. It is. It is shockingly heavy once you get your hands on it. It feels like just a, a phone book. Like it's, that it's, it's paper not, all the way down. It's not, but it is, it, it is weighty. It is a it's a, it's the size of a Catan box, but it's 5.75 pounds of post-apocalyptic love in a box. And uh, then we got our expansion here, which is uh, a journey into darkness and it allows for solo gameplay and a six player and there's like two different solo variants in there and uh yeah um a, a journey a journey into darkness it sounds like this should be like the title of a like a deathland one of the deathlands books <laughs> i am a i am a huge james axler fan uh that's actually you know i i read a lot of those as a child and uh, you know i think several other authors you know, wrote for that series in the latter years uh, through Gold Eagle Books. I think it was Gold Eagle Publishing, Gold Eagle Books, something like oh, that. Yeah. Well, oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that later. I could go all into my problems with what happened to Deathlands when they changed. You know, when they started rotating the authors when uh, Axler started writing, stopped writing in themselves, and nobody kept continuity, and everybody just kind of did their own thing. 
that's that was a huge <laughs> problem for me. But yeah, pilgrimage to hell. After I read that, I was just hooked. I mean, that's the very first one, if I remember correctly. It's been yep. years, but summer. It came out in summer of '86, and I I got in the bookstore. I was like, oh, what is this? This looks really cool. The artwork is always awesome too. I I love comic art. I love Pulp Fiction. Gotta love it. All right, cool, John. Uh, so the next big question would be now is, can you give us a high-level uh, overview of the game so people know what, what is this game about? What is this game? You know, just give us, give us, give, give uh, us that 10,000, you know, foot uh, sales pitch on the game. Most of my best sales pitches are, you know, be, you know, being able to hand the box to someone and, <laughs> and wave my hands around and stuff, but I'll give it my best shot here. Um, Fallen Land, a post-apocalyptic board game and a journey into darkness. Uh, it's it's a very thematic game, just dripping with theme uh, for two to five players. Um, you are the leader of one of ten different factions um, in the aftermath of post-apocalyptic America. It's a sandbox-style board game. You go anywhere, do anything. Um, you're not only growing and building your town as, as a leader, you're protecting your citizens. You're also sending out a party of your adventurers or agents into the field to actualize your agenda. Um, and so there's, you know, adventure, economics, diplomacy, politics, bribery, backstabbing, alliances. It's, it's a fully immersive post-apocalyptic experience. And I... We like to think that, you know, the 13 years it took us to make this, that it, it's, uh, you know, it's a fully immersive post-apocalyptic experience, basically. It's apparently it was a labor of love. If you say it took 13 years to flush it all out and get it, get it, in, get it in people's hands. Yeah. You know, yeah, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, as a writer, you know, you just have to get it out of your head sometimes, and that involves a lot of late nights, burning the midnight oil, you know, trying to work around family, 80-hour-a-week worth of jobs, and just, you know, you got to be passionate. And Sean Cahill is uh, also the co-owner of Fallen Dominion Studios, and uh, he is also the co-creator. He, he couldn't be here tonight, uh, but... He, he sends his regards to the both of you. and uh, It's a good guy. He, I got to talk with him a lot more than I got to talk with you at uh, Gen Con and uh, really enjoyed he, it. Good guy. He's, he's, a he's a hell of a great guy. Uh, I've known him for about 30 years. We've been really close friends. And, uh, you know, I couldn't think of a better partner to do a project, a crazy project like this than, you know, one of your good friends and, you know, and, it's a really interesting friendship. You know, we've been able, you know, it's, it's oftentimes really hard to manage uh, both, both a good friendship and business, but we just have a really cohesive working relationship and a great friendship. And it's seen us through a lot of stuff in the process of creating, you know, this game. And I'm, I'm really thankful for, for his, his role in this, you know, which is a very large role, you know, Cool. Absolutely. That sounds good. You know, it's 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 good to have good friends for the apocalypse. So <laughs> keep your friends close. You know, keeps your friends close to keep your apocalypse closer, right? <laughs> yeah, we we have a really phenomenal team at Fallen Dominion Studios. You know, we have 
uh, Warren Ripley, the art director, Pat Patrick Phillips, who did a bang up job of play testing. We got our editor in chief, Bill Pitcher, and Bones Jones did some game analytics, and you know, then there's also just tons of tons and tons of people helped us along the way. We're so thankful for for all of their roles that they played, and yeah, we couldn't have done it without them. So, cool. Cool. Sounds very good. Sounds like you got a good team going there. So, yeah. but uh, now that we know what the game's about, uh, can you tell us what inspired you to create this game? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, back in 2005, when we, when we started creating this game, we naively thought that we'd be done in a year. And, uh, you know, it turned into 13 years. Yes, yeah, so over here at Pagan Publishing, I'd just like to, <laughs> to point out that, uh, yeah, that's a painful revelation every single time because every project it, it, is going to be like, oh, we're going to be done with this in six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you got to love what you do, you know. I mean, and, you know, we got a couple expansions planned. We have some other games in the works, and, you know, you'll be seeing a lot more of us. But right now we're we're we've been kind of on hiatus in the creative aspect of things, and we're we've been dealing with more of the business end of things for a little bit longer here, and then we're gonna return our focus back to mm -hmm. get those creative juices flowing again, and it's gonna be exciting, and we can't wait to to do that because that's the not so fun part of being an entrepreneur, and you know I I know you guys know what I mean, so. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're always hoping that, you know, I can do the creative stuff and then someone else will do all the boring stuff, right? No, that, that, that's why I don't get half my stuff done because, like, I, I'm a great idea, man. But uh, when it comes to actually effort, it's like, uh, you know. Yeah, dude, you've cranked out a hell of a lot more stuff than I have. So as, I don't know as how. Cliche, as cliche as it is, you know, it's like, you know, 3% inspiration and. 97% perspiration. I mean, the fun stuff, you know, it's just, you have to learn everything. You need to know how to do everything, and it's a lot to learn, you know. I'm no yes, sir. Well, cool. All right. And so. Let me ask uh, one question in here. Um, go. Uh, the, um, you picked a post-apocalyptic theme, and I'm curious uh, it seems like, based on the richness of this, that what came first was your love of the apocalypse, and that after you established that you were clearly, you know, a uh, radioactive cannibalistic mutant uh, in the wasteland, that you, <laughs> that, uh, you were going to do something apocalyptic no matter what it was. Um, uh, so I guess I'm thinking, you know, I want to ask, you know, was it the theme that was it was it the apocalypse that drove all of your choices on art mechanics you know play style things like that you know that's a that's a really tough question to answer scott um i i would say you know ultimately it boiled down to the fact that we really wanted to lay some solid bedrock down in the genre and you know back in 2005 you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff, you know, there was, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the very first sandbox style board game, which was Wasteland. And, uh, you know, I uh, 
Sean and I both, you know, we, we love that. We love, uh, you know, the Deathlands and really, you know, there was a, there was a few games out there, you know, like Fortress America and, you know, there yeah, was, you got that, you know, there was a, there's a few other, you know, RPGs. You, you already mentioned a couple of them, you know, um, after fall, there was, uh, God, the TSR version, which was uh, Gamma World, which I played, you know, from a very young age, like since 1978, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons. Same thing with Sean, you know, and that's probably probably where it got started, you know, like the love of fantasy and things along those lines. Oh, speaking of Gamma World, John, since you love Gamma World, can can you see behind me? Let me see if I could uh, point it out here. Okay, see that second shelf from the bottom? Yeah. That is my that is my entire Gamma World collection, which includes <laughs> all versions, everything in print from Gamma World, okay? There's a stack of magazines on the floor next to it, which are all the polyhedrons that had Gamma World articles, uh, different worlds and other magazines. Uh, I have all the Dragon Magazine articles that had Gamma World in it. I'm a little obsessive yeah, I, about Gamma World. I... I love Dragon Magazine. God, I that was great. Oh yeah, did you? Because uh, I used to have a lot on paper, but they all fell apart from use. So now when I look at stuff, I look at it on the old. Uh, nice. Came out in the early two thousand, like two thousand, two thousand one. The uh, digital archive of the Dragon Magazine. Do you remember when that came out? That is awesome. I wonder if they have something like that for heavy metal too. You know. Uh no no, but I have something that was. Not legal, but I have. Uh, well, they claimed it was a uh, collector's reference guide. It basically, had I got this disc, these CDs off of eBay. It had like every copy of Epic, probably ninety percent of the heavy metals up to like uh, you know like the mid two thousands. You know, so oh, that was total like uh, Epic magazine, heavy metal. As, as Epic a, was it was child? it. Which one was it that we went for uh, Mutant World? Was that that was in 1984, right? Uh, Mutant World was not in either one of those magazines, but it was Richard Corbin. But it uh, wasn't a magazine called 1984. I remember seeing that. As, oh, as a maybe, but uh, well, well, Epic Epic had uh, had Generation Zero, and then Heavy Metal had Rebel in it. Uh, you know, so yes. by Pepe by Pepe Morano, but you know, Epic and Heavy Metal magazines were such fuel and inspiration for my young uh vulnerable post-apocalyptic mind that i loved the apocalypse back then you know so yeah but as a, uh, as child, my my parents would you know they would send me to my room and take away all of my game material like that so you know yeah that was punishment that's harsh taking away all my gamma world and you know, Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and all the, you know, all the role playing stuff. Yeah, it's it's. They quickly learned they couldn't just send you to your room. That was like a vacation. Yeah, it was. It really was. So getting sent to my room was awesome. Well, you know, you know, if I, if I, my parents did that to me, I, you know, I would call child services for cruelty. You know, so. <laughs> you ne- yeah, you ne- you never take away my gamma world ever. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't see that going well. <laughs> they can have my gamma world and they pry it for my cold dead fingers. 
<laughs> so yeah, I just got in the habit of like stashing my the very best stuff that I was currently reading, and then I would just give up the shit I didn't care about, you know. Oh yes, that is exactly the that's a good <laughs> plan, John. Here you go. Here, here's the stuff I don't care about. Wow. And the best part is, is that what you've got so much of it that you can you can give up some hostages, you know. Exactly. Will be a, that's good. <laughs> You are you are you are a smart smart lad. That is some good. That is some top shelf nerding. If you only knew. <laughs> Damn, sir. All right, we approve completely. All right, so um. Uh, so all right, so it was a lot of this came out of your love of gaming, just in general. Um, now um, you were saying that there are plenty of games out there that were touching on the apocalypse theme that were just. Meh, just almost there, like, you know, um, Fortress America seems like yeah. the start of an apocalypse. Where's the rest of yeah. the apocalypse? Um, what do I do after the invasion when we have someone has to get a broom and clean up this mess? And, you know, uh, some of these other uh, board games. There were some board games from SPI that were very pre-apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. Um, um, heck, there was Attack of the Mutants. Right, yeah. which Mr. Wallace had that came in a your your, your Quinto game, the album games. It's right, uh, it's over there on the third shelf, right the there. Tall the, 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 the tall blue one, right there. That is my copy of Attack of the Mutants, right there. Yeah. But there really wasn't anything that basically let you play Civ um, after the bomb, which God knows, I saw a need for that. <laughs> okay, thirty years ago. And I really don't think I don't think anyone has really stepped up to make this happen until you guys did. I I mean it seems like a giant hole, you it, know. It, it was a giant hole, and you know, like we just felt it needed to be filled, and you know, we we kept our noses to the grindstone, kind of flying under the radar. We we love to fly under the radar. We love organic word of mouth and growth stuff like that, you know, like, but. There just there was a need for a game. It hadn't been done before, you know. We we kind of there's a pseudo emulsification of like a strategy board game meets and with RPG elements, and you know you're the leader of a faction. Plus you have you know a party of your characters or agents going out into the field to to actualize your agenda to capture resources. You know, you know, what, you know what that part of it? That part of it reminds me very much of some of the mechanics that were sort of given to us in the computer game um, XCOM. I was going to okay. say XCOM. Um, I didn't get to play. I did not play the computer game Wasteland. By the time I realized that Wasteland existed, I was about nine operating systems too far down the line. Yeah. To, to get a grip on it. No, so obviously I went and threw my money at the Wasteland 2 Kickstarter and things like they, that. They redid it. I mean, so no matter how fast your computer is, and I'm sure it's fast like mine, you know, like you can still play it. You, you can still go back and play it. And, you know, it's 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 pretty There's primitive. There's a lot of old games I want, there's awesome. a lot of old games I want to do that with. Yeah. Now, uh, just... And this was like a sandbox, which style game, go anywhere, do anything. And, you know, that blew a lot of people's minds at the time. It was, you know, absolutely amazing. Now, let me interject for a second here. As uh, you know, you were saying that, you know, 
because you were kind of saying, you know, what you felt was, you know, back in 2005 when you started your project, you know, what was lacking, you know, in, in uh, other post-apocalyptic games is why you started it. Now, you said it took, you know, 13 years uh, to develop this project, which answers one of the future questions we were going to ask. So we wanted to ask that now. But um, your timing kind of works out at this point because 2005, the phenomena that is this board game renaissance that we've been having the last several years um is actually it's you, you wind up you wind up having it come to fruition at a good time i think because if it came out in 2005 i don't you know you know who knows how well you would have done with it because you know, things were just starting to bud everybody was still Catan or you know uh you know carcassonne you know i like carcassonne by the way but you know but you know what i mean like that was still things are still starting to grow but now that it's such a board games are such a huge thing now uh, so it's probably a good time, good timing that your game's coming out now because people are always looking for new board games, looking for new stuff that's out there because board games are like the thing, you know? So I think your timing wound up actually being perfect, even though it took a long time, you know? I think we may have lost John. Did we lose John? Uh, yeah, I think so because, well, I, I see his, uh, profile picture but i don't hear him so maybe I also, see, I also see a mute uh thing strike through his unless he knew oh, we, oh. we completely lost him you know what you were in the middle of saying something nice about him he couldn't he couldn't stand the uh the attention and he was forced uh forced to sign out clearly and he's back he's back oh we were just we were just talking shit about you oh uh. <laughs> Man, I don't really like this rule here. Oh, wait. Oh, John's back. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how much you uh, heard before you dropped off, John. But, uh, Sorry yeah. about that. I, uh, I have these pop-ups that keep popping up, and they're right above your face. It's really... <laughs> I touched it, and I went... I went to the link, and I, I was hey, like... Hey, oh. stop, touch, stop touching my face, John. Um <laughs> But uh, but basically, I, I don't know how much you heard, but basically, in a nutshell, I just said that I think your timing is perfect for the game coming out now. Even though you started a long time ago, it's good that it came out now because now there's such a renaissance and people really always looking for new games. So I think I think your timing's good. So Yeah, it's, you know, it's the golden age of board games right now. It's been referred to as that by a lot of people. Um, you know, Sean and I are really happy that... Uh, yeah, people are really enjoying it. It's and that's the most important thing to us is just people having fun and you know, as as a creator, there's nothing more fun honestly than to like sneak upon a group of people playing your game and just nonchalantly like watch them enjoying enjoying themselves with what you work so, so hard on and s seeing everything kind of come to fruition, you know? Like it's it's we're just glad people are having fun. That's the part. So Oh, we we, we kind of had something like that happen at Gen Con. We were playing down at the uh, in the hotel lobby. Uh, what was it? Fate of the Elder Gods. Uh, nice. And one of the creators like, oh, we didn't know it was a creator. He's like, hey, you guys got any questions about that game? It's like, oh, no, we just read it. We're learning it. It's like, well, if you have any questions, let me know because, you know, I created – I'm one of the creators of the game, you know. So that, that was kind of fun, you know, that he, <laughs> popped, he's, he popped in and said, hey, you got any questions? I'll be glad to answer them for you. So that's always kind of – that's kind of neat, you know. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. No, nobody fanboyed out on them because our group's really not like that. You know, we're not like, oh, gushing fan. I'm, I'm not a gushing fanboy about anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, you're you're not a you're not a gushing you're not a gushing fanboy, huh? Well, no. When it comes to people and st- like when it comes okay, to people, yeah, like- I was about to say because I can think of uh, uh, <laughs> a certain uh, zombie shooting SWAT team guy who <laughs> I think Ken might have another dis- another uh, description for you. Well, you weren't that gushing, but you no, but no, no. I mean, it was cool. You know, I, I met Ken for a Gen Con like a number of years ago. Uh, you know, uh, and. Um, He's a very nice man. He's like he's very uh, respect, uh, respect, accepted to his fans, and he always remembered me. Like I'd always see him at other cons, and he'd always remember me. Like it would take him a second, but he'd be like, "Oh, oh, Jerry, yeah, how you doing?" Like a couple times, I saw him like local shows by me. He would be like, "Come sit down." Like I'd sit down behind his table while he's like working, just talking to me, and like people come up to me looking at me. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, Ken will be with you in just a second, you know, <laughs> was, you know. <laughs> so I would always make sure to get him a. Um, he he liked uh, Johnny Walker uh, Johnny Walker Black, so I would always make I would always make sure to if I was going to see him at a show I'd bring a little bottle for him you know so <laughs> very nice man but no oh I'm not one of these people like who falls over people like you know like screaming fanboys because like yeah, listen they're pe- they're people just it's like everybody else you know they, they you know they do they did something really cool but you know I don't know I'm, it, it, Scott I'm not like that you know that you see me around no, no you you don't you don't. Um, and besides, <laughs> based on our own interactions with our fans, yeah. Oh my God, that, that has taught us some lessons. Yeah, I want to stab. I want to stab half of them in the face. But uh... well, um, all right. So, so right. So yes. So uh, this game filled a niche that hadn't been filled by board games. And as you said, yeah, we're going through a golden age of board games. But there's one other aspect about board games these days that you've incorporated really well into this game. That wasn't around, at least it wasn't around when I was first doing uh, wargaming board games, like um, you know back in the '80s uh, when I was still playing stuff from SPI or or, or, or Avalon Hill. Yeah. Um, the RPG, it's not just the RPG. Um, it's not just the RPG ideas. Now, Talisman, classic game had all these yeah. characters, these playing pieces, that each had their own cheats, ways sure. that they were better at the game than another character, right? Yeah. And so that was, you know, you know that was sort of the, the genesis of the sort of RPG aspect. But I never got a feeling of a story from Talisman. You know yeah. what I mean? Going around that board, going to the inner realms, I never got a feeling of a story from that because you, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the... The, the lack of not having enough cards, not having enough variation of encounter, but you know, this well, you could, is, yeah, you could develop enough, enough of a narrative, you know. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. but, but this thing, great where, game. You know, I love it, by the way. Yes, exactly. It's, it's it's a great game, but I never it was I I don't think they ever intended for it to have a, a storyline. But games like this, this game is picked up that gauntlet uh, that so many others these games have had, and. Has created so it it has an RPG feel to it because there is a through story. It's not just how many turns before I win or how many turns before no, I lose. I mean it 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 is a go anywhere, do anything sandbox style game. You will never ever ever play the same game twice. You know, there's 80 different characters with different skills and special abilities and links, and you know there's. Got 150 action cards, which modify the storylines, and 
you know, there's probably about 600 of my short stories in here, uh, <laughs> tons of artwork. And, you know, we, by design, you know, we, we were trying to create a game that is going to withstand the test of time, hopefully, and that people are still going to be playing and enjoying because literally every time you play it, there's trillions of combinations. You are never, ever going to play the same game twice. And Can I also point out that something else that's included in this game is you. You can get your very own John. There you go. <laughs> John Lonigan, Lonigren, excuse me. Uh, right there. There he is. Uh, his, he has his own card, leader of secret organization. And oh, wait, look, it's Sean Cahill yep. as well. And it just goes through the list. Warren Ripley, another He's one of your designers. Yep. Um, Patrick Phillips. Uh, what's his name? Bones? Jones? Bones? Bones Jones. Bill Pitcher. Bill and yep. Monica Pitcher? Yep. That's what, is there anybody else? I couldn't find anybody else out of the credits besides those folks. Uh, I think you got them all, actually. All right. So it's funny when you say Bones is because, you know, because the way Mind Mind works, what I think of is there was an old uh, crossover band from the late 80s. They were originally known as the FUs. Uh, when I say crossover, it's like middle punk crossover. Uh, later, they were known as uh, the Straw Dogs, and uh, their drummer was named Bones. So for some reason, you're saying Bones. I'm thinking about the drummer from the Straw Dogs. I would know? like to point <laughs> out that uh, Justin Jones' card, Justin Bones Jones' card, reads, Bones, purveyor of ill-gotten goods. And his quote is, hooray for you, or hooray for me, screw you. That is. He's a scoundrel. That is, that is quite <laughs> awesome. But he's um, a good he's a good friend and and yeah he ever you know we all it was kind of an Easter egg we didn't intend to let the cat out of the bag really but you know <laughs> we you know long after we're gone hopefully people will still be playing those cards and we'll live on through the game we'll see what <laughs> time will tell so yeah exactly wait I want the guy with the bag of golf clubs who's killing the mutant with the five iron that's the guy I want John's a a phenomenal golfer he uh yeah he he just had to have his golf clubs with him so <laughs> he's got casey jones style you know like old hey, look I'm, I'm just i understand bringing a golf bag to into the apocalypse just i would have i would have filled it with assault rifles myself oh i would have as well yeah for sure well you know ammo runs out so you know you got you got to have a backup oh yeah yeah, yeah not not that's yes you are correct sir um, well, before we uh, – well, let's not hit the mechanic question just yet. Um, I want to skip around a little bit. Now, uh, we already talked about how long the project took. Um, I want to ask you about uh, the, the challenges that you encountered with, in, with this project, and then after that I want to want to hit into more crunchy stuff like you know, we'll talk a little bit about the mechanics of the game itself. So but what kind of challenges uh, did you face? Uh, and I think we've probably touched on some of that already. But if you know, just uh, you know, hit the highlights of you know what was uh, what made the, what made this a challenge for you to get this out. You know, anytime you're creating something, there's a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, we self-funded this project for about twelve of its thirteen years of existence. Um, you know, so that that involved you know eighty-hour work weeks every weekend, late nights, early mornings, working around our families with them in mind. You know. Uh, my wonderful wife, Wendy Longren, has been fantastic. Uh, Sean's wife, Tara, 
Cahill's been fantastic. Our family's been very supportive, but you know, they, it's, it's tough. I mean, um, you are always facing, you know, every day there's new challenges to get past, you know, there's, there was some infighting early on. There was the loss of the tragic death of our second editor in chief, uh, Eric Lemke. Um, there's just a ton of challenges anytime you're doing a project, especially a project as massive as this. I mean, people laugh about it and say you should have started with something a little smaller, but this is what we're passionate about. And and this is the result, you know. I mean, hey, hey man, like the old like the old saying I like to say. If you're gonna go over the top, you go all the way, okay? Yeah, we're kind of we're an all the way crew of people here. I uh, I can't thank the team enough. You know, like I said, uh, Sean Cahill is just we work so well together. He has skills I don't have. I have skills he doesn't have. And you know, people like Bill Pitcher, editor in chief, and Patrick Phillips, and Warren Ripley, and Bones Jones, like all those guys, and the lawyers and everyone involved in this whole project, Allison Werner Smith, Paul Waterman, and just a slew of other people. I mean, it's, it was massive and it's, it was challenging. And, you know, one of the most challenging aspects of it was, you know, in 13 years, just imagine how quickly technology has advanced, you know, we had, to, Oh yeah. We had to become masters of five or six different computer programs and transfer all of our material. to oh! The newest Sorry. and greatest, and thank thank God for Adobe Suite nowadays. Like that'll never ever happen again because we have every single program put out by Adobe. You know, as immediately when it comes out, you know, for the low low price of I think it's fifty bucks a month per person, and you know, it's so we'll never have to deal with that again. But back in the day, you know, it's like twelve hundred dollars software program. Yep. You know, it's oh. Scott like, Scott knows like, all about transferring old files. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. It's absolutely yeah. horrible, especially, you know, thank God for InDesign. I mean, InDesign is... <laughs> yeah. And, you know, before that, we were using uh, just a long string of programs that were half as good. But, yeah, it's it's challenging and... You know, you got to look at yourself every day in the mirror and think, you know, why am I doing this sometimes? But, you know, it's, you know, you. at least for me, I can't speak for Sean or the other people on the project. But, you know, like every day it's a challenge. There's new things every day to, that you face and you have to overcome them. And as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. And frankly, we had to just always be learning. We're still learning, you know, I mean. Well, you do it because, you know, you're kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a labor of love, John, because like this podcast, we've told people it's a labor of love. You know, it's like it took me a couple of years to really kind of get it off the ground to where I even started doing it. And and, you know, sometimes we don't do it a lot. You know, as you've seen, like sometimes we have huge gaps because of this stuff going on. But we always come back to it because this is something we enjoy doing. And that's and you're doing that because you love doing that. You know, it's, despite all the challenges, you love that, don't you? You love that I, game. You love what you do. I, I love creating board games. I love writing Pulp Fiction. I, I love working with artists. I, I just love everything about games. And, you know, like I said, been playing them since 1978, everything I could get my hands on. And, you know, I know Sean's the same way. And uh, 
some of the other members of the crew are also the same way. And, you know, we just, we have a really, we have a really great relationship and it's, it's been, it's been a crazy roller coaster ride with ups and downs, but you know, we always come back strong and yeah, we pulled through and got this beast out the door. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's almost shocking how massive this game is. I, I don't know. I, I'm not the judge. I'm not the judge of me. It's kind of up to the, the players and people like you folks, you know, like, but. Oh, we, we, we won't judge you, John. <laughs> yes, I will. I demand satisfaction. This does. This wait, 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 wait. I'm me not judging somebody. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that's worth it. You should probably cut. You should probably cut Wallace and set his blood on fire. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a car that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, I, do have, I do have one question I wanted to ask. It's off the question list. Sure. What? No, no, no. You have to stick to the script, Scott. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask about was, um, uh, you know, you had to make choices. And I do want to ask you about your, your factions and what went into your thoughts on various factions. But sure. I don't want to burn up too much time. But I do want to ask, you had to make a hard decision. And that hard decision was, do I have a hex mac for all of North America or just the United States, you know, and leave out Mexico and Canada so I don't have a Mexican faction or I don't have a Canuck faction? And I was curious, you know, how hard did that, was that something that you considered uh, or was that something you just blew right past? For me, it would have been a very hard decision to, it, to, to leave out Canada and Mexico. It's, uh, you know... There's probably 12 or 13 versions of the rule book. You know, we wanted to do it right. Um, we feel strongly it's a new style of rule book. I wanted it to be kind of uh, less imperative and more like I'm talking to someone. Mm -hmm. And that, tie, that ties into the map because, uh, you know, there's also probably about six different versions of the map over the years. And... You know, I can, that's a, actually a pretty common question about uh, Canada and Mexico. Um, who knows what the future will hold? You'll have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, for now, it's, it's dark territory. It's not really covered in the game. And uh, time will tell, see what, what the perhaps result we, Perhaps is. we've managed to build the wall and no one's been over it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, the short answer, Scott, is America. Yeah, America. Yeah, well, I get that question. We, we, I've gotten that question too about stuff. Why, why isn't this international? Why did you focus on America? And my answer was, I know what's in America, and if I start talking about Mexico and Canada, I'm gonna fuck it up. So yeah, I've been to that's Mexico always my excuse. Probably 14 times in my life, and I've been to Canada probably seven or eight times. I have a pretty good idea. Like, but fact remains, you know, we wanted to make this a post-apocalyptic board game you know, about with, the with limits. America, you know, and, and who's to say that won't happen eventually, but you know, for now, that's what you see is what you get, I guess. Is the best. Don't, don't worry. I am not disappointed. Um, but I, I figured it was one of those things that, you know, had when you guys are having meetings and talking about it and, and proposing it at some point, somebody's saying we should totally fill in the rest of that grid square. And someone's saying, no, we got to find, there's got to be a stopping point. Because if we fill in Mexico, someone's going to, or Canada, someone's going to know, where's Alaska? And if we fill in Alaska, why aren't we filling in Russia? 
you know, yeah. and it just gets out of control. And it, then it does get out of control. And we needed to put like, you know, we needed to put, um, you know, the, some other stuff on the board, you know, like, uh, a map key and, and, uh, you know, on the final product, we had all the 10 factions for easy reference and so on and so forth. And, you know, frankly, they're, just wasn't enough space. The uh, the original board that we designed was probably about twice as big as the one that came in the box. And, and uh, you should have seen the crazy looks of people when we went to the print shop and had that laminated. I mean, they just looked at us like, oh my God, these guys are freaks, you know? And, <laughs> but so we shrank you're, the board. You're doing it shop. right. You're doing it right. If you can, if you can <laughs> baffle cool, the tokens were so much bigger and it was just awesome. At one point we thought about doing like a magnetic token so you could put it up on the wall, to clear table space. And, you know, ultimately it, what you see is what you get. I, we're really happy with the final product. And What you and, see is uh, what you, what you get. You say that like you gave us, you know, like this is one of those Ziploc micro games. Like, like it's the first version of Ogre. I don't think so. Like, this know, is like, like plastic clamshells, you know. This is like the I last version of Ogre. It's huge. I think it. I think it weighs more than the than the the, the last version of Ogre. Oh my god! It's a it's a massive beast. The the Kickstarter version was actually uh, six point seven five pounds and. So if you add the expansion in with that, it you know, it's almost eight pounds. It's a beast. And it looks are deceiving. And that's why I always like, you know, whenever I'm at a convention or talking to people or, you know, giving my little soapbox spiel and trying to sell the game, you know, like I always hand it to people because it, it is a deceiving box. It's very deceiving. And, you know, oh, it's, it's smaller than the box for the new uh, Fortress America. And it's four times as heavy. It's it's. It's a sleeper, man. Now, well, speaking about the box and what's there, let's talk about now. As Scott showed that rule book before, it's um, it's a it's a novel. Uh, let's, let's see if you could uh, show that, this Scott. Is, this is the, this is the rule book. It is it's less of a novel and more of a magazine. Yeah, like it's the size of a an a, nove of a novella, but. Um, <laughs> It is about 40 pages long, but it's, it's actually a really quick read. Uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it. Um, I'm not going to toot my own horn on that, but, uh, you know, there's 13 different versions of that rule book over the years. This is the final product. Uh, you know, oftentimes in a lot of games, like especially the bigger companies, you see these things rushed out the door and they're just kind of half-assed and we really, you know, as a small publishing company, Fall Dominion Studios, you know, it may have took us a long time for our first products, but I think the quality shows and um, the rule books, you know, people have said how, how, how much they enjoy the style that we used. Um, and there's tons of indexes, tons of references, chock full of artwork and stories and examples. And, you know, if you, if you, it's one of those games where, you do need to invest the time. You can't just dump everything out on the table and jump in. You're going to play it wrong. And, you know, the very first uh, bullet point in the startup section of the rule book is read the rule book. And, 
you know, there's a huge debate about, well, that may be insulting to people and so on and so forth, but frankly, you need to do that. And how, how, how is it insulting to tell people if you want to learn the game, read the rules? I don't, I don't understand how that's insulting. So I mean, it's, it's, it's a very intuitive rule book. It builds upon itself. You're going to have fun reading it. I guarantee you. Um, it's, it, it's exciting. I, I think it's a great rule book and we've had a lot of positive feedback about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean it, everything you need to know is in that rule book. We've, there's been a few little minor errors here and there, but you know, Sean and I and the team were, you know, our, especially Bill Pitcher had a really good input on the rule book. And, you know, I'm just thankful that, we have a team of people to back up, you know, I wrote a lot of the stuff, but I have a great team behind me that, you know, I can be as passionate as I want, but I have a team behind me that puts the brakes on and, and helps me, you know, fine tune all this stuff. And Sean mm -hmm. is amazing graphics designer. I God, he does things I can't do. And he, yeah, the both of us, we just really put a lot of love into that rule book and, it shows. It absolutely oh, yeah. shows. Now, um, Again, you kind of... I mean, you kind of... No, 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 no. You're passionate about it. It's your thing, man. You know, so... Um, so you kind of talked about it a little bit. I don't want to dig too deep into it because it's a too complex of an issue. Uh, you know, we kind of like wanted, you know... Was there anything else, uh, again, from a very high level... Um, about the mechanics of the game? Because, you know, you talk about the rules and the reading. Is there anything, you know, that you'd like to just touch on? Again, high level about the mechanics, because we can't, we don't really get the time to dig deep into the rules. But is there anything particular about that you want to, that you want to highlight? You know, maybe something that's innovative that you, you haven't seen in other games, something you just want to touch on related to your game mechanics? Um, you know, Nothing is perfect when it starts off, but, you know, we've play tested this about 11 years and it's 13 years of existence. Uh, we came up with um, what we feel is a very unique D10 system. Um, it builds from characters, base skills listed on the card. And underneath that, you attach uh, skill bonuses in the form of spoils cards, you know, assault rifles, med packs, uh, armor, uh, you name it, Fred Rogers sweater, it's in the game. Uh, there's just anything you can imagine, it's going to shock you, the amount of material that we have here. and Some jackasses goggles. Some jackasses goggles. and uh, Yeah, and we have a very unique D10 dice system. There's five um, skill check dice rules that kind of form the foundation of our, our game system. And then you, there's also D6s involved for movement and damage and so on and so forth. But yeah, I, I feel like it's a very progressive state game where you're building your characters the whole time. They're getting stronger. Your ability to perform uh, tougher cards, go into more dangerous areas on the map and perform missions and PVP other parties. I mean, it's... <laughs> There's, it's literally go anywhere, do anything, and you know, it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun, I must say. Well, I cannot wait to get into this and start mutilating my fellow survivors, um, or uniting the wasteland, one or the other. Um, 
I noticed, I wanted to ask you if you had any favorite factions that you were like uh, sort of, um, you know, most entertained by, either conceptually or as far as their gameplay. Uh, that's a question I, I, I never answer. I don't mean to be, <laughs> be that, that guy, but uh, I don't, you know, of course I have my personal favorites and I'm, I'm so tempted to tell you what they are, but I don't, I don't want to skew the game and in, in favor Understood. of one or the other and kind of ruin it for the players, you know, like. No, 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 I, I get that. Each, each faction's unique. Uh, it has a unique story on the back, you know, what happened to them. Uh, each faction has starting town technologies and, and four different perks, which only that town can perform. They're like special abilities that kind of make that town really special and that faction really special. Um, and they're very well balanced, you know, through the course of, you know, 11 years of playtesting. And, you know, it really depends. The best way to answer that, I guess, would is it really depends on your play style. Uh, you know, everyone, there's multiple ways to play this game. Uh, there's optional and advanced rules for the game in the expansion, A Journey into Darkness. And it really allows, we wanted to create a game that could be, uh, the players could tailor tailor the game to their personal play styles and their likes and dislikes. You know, if you hate a mission card, you can take it out of the game. If you hate a spoils card or, or action card or character, you can put it aside in the box, you know, and there's multiple ways to play. There's longer games. We've even played 10 player games of this. Uh, it's about an hour per player. Experienced players can get that down to maybe a half an hour, 40 minutes per mm -hmm. turn per, not per turn, but, Per player. player, so you know, four four players is a little less under than four hours. But the first time you play it, it's going to be a little bit longer. But you know, I'm a big believer in rule books. I read rule books for fun. It's kind of a, hot, a side hobby of mine. I'm always reading, you know, new rule books for new games that come out, and and looking for um, the things that I enjoy about reading the rule books. I won't get too sidetracked, but uh, yeah, it's. It's um, the ability to tailor the game into each player's personal play style is, is a really unique feature of this game. And, you know, no matter how many times you play, you're going to have a unique experience and it's going to be new and refreshing. And, you know, it's not a game where you're ever going to play the same game twice, basically. I don't mean to keep on saying that over and over again, but... You know, well, that, well, well that, bring, that brings value to the game, you know, because you don't want to, like, play it three, four times and be like, okay, well, it's the same game all the time. You want something that's going to give you that kind of variety. And it's, it's going to be challenging each and every time you play it for different reasons. And the more, the more people that you throw in the mix to vary up your opponents, like, the play styles are going to change, you know? I mean, it's... It's pretty unique. I'd like to say that, uh, you know, we're, we're just really happy people are having fun with it. And that's the most important thing, you know. There's something there for everyone. There really is. I mean, that's what kind of blew our minds is from teenage girls to 82-year-old veterans. Like, every, the people who have played it, that's how broad the spectrum of people who have enjoyed this game has been. And, and that blew my mind, you know, like... 
I mean, I don't know. For me, no. it's for me. I I I immediately sort of jumped to the idea that it's this it's this darn uh, story aspect that's going to suck in the widest range of people. But you've still got plenty of resource management. You've got plenty of off the board diplomacy. You've got plenty of uh, 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 combat in the waste. Um, but uh, it's, it's just as much a management game as it is an adventure, politics, economics, diplomacy. You know, as a leader of your faction, you're managing your town. I mean, it is up to you. You have to make a lot of hard choices all the time to be successful at, at, at winning this game. And, you know, each time you play this game, you're going to discover a new layer of depth to it. There's a lot of interlocking stories. I'm not going to like go and ruin it, the connections and stuff, but you know, there's a depth to this game that I don't, I haven't seen before. And yeah, and it's been commented on by other people and stuff. Again, I'm not the judge of us, but like, you know, I think players will realize just how deep this game can go after playing it a few times, you know? Cool. It, uh, it really is um, everything I wanted in a, <laughs> you know, whenever it was that Fallout first hit the Fallout 1, Fallout 2 first came out, my first thought about those games well, 1998. Yeah, was, gee, wouldn't it have been nice if I had some sort of civilization version of this, you know, for the computer where I start off at my vault and we spread out or whatever, you know. That's the free, you know, um, and that doesn't exist and still doesn't exist. But this does. And this is pretty much the analog version of that that I wanted. Right, yeah, um, right on the money. Yeah, I think it adds a unique element to you know, like I said, there's something here for everyone. You know, you're the leader of a faction, but you're also doing all these other things. You're building and growing your town. You're buying town technologies. You're capturing resources. You're sending your party out for adventures and to perform missions. And every, there's lots of different pieces that are constantly shifting around on the board. So while you may have an advantage to begin with, that advantage will go away shortly as the game progresses. And, you know... Anything can happen. I, I promise you, you will be shocked. Many <laughs> uh, just throwing open one of these one of these uh, cards for this for each of the hexes are divided into mountain, city, plains, and uh, radioactive uh, city or radioactive areas. Just pulling one of these out at random. It's you know the bookstore scavenge, and the description. Before you even get to the challenges and then the, the successes and failures, um, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> you get giant points for the books you mention in the bookstore. Forcing the doors open to this darkened shrine of the written word, you cautiously enter the store. Dusty rows of well-preserved books stand waiting to be reclaimed. Hemingway, Poe, Fitzgerald, Steinbeck, Lovecraft, Thoreau, Jackpot. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> you also mentioned George R.R. R. Martin. That's just hilarious. So you're already, uh, I'm already happy that you mentioned Lovecraft. So there you go. I'm a huge, <laughs> you know, I, I love HP Lovecraft. I, I particularly love Robert E. Howard, you know, that those are, those are things I grew up with. Uh, I, I love, I love my Lovecraft, but I got to admit, there's a lot, a lot of times Bob Howard uh, brings it in a way that uh, poor old Howard 
you know, Phillips never really could, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure you're both aware, but, you know, it's really, they had a really interesting relationship. They were best friends and pen pals and, you know, like, I'm sure they fed artistically off of each oh, yeah. other, you know, and gosh, I just, I just love all that sword and sorcery and, you know, out otherworldly experiences and, you know, dangers from, you know, beyond. Beyond. Yeah, well, it's it sounds it sounds like John, you're kind of you're our kind of geek. So <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all we all we all think we all come from the same cesspool, you know. So <laughs> Google gobble, Google gobble. gobble, one of us, <laughs> one of us. We accept uh, you. <laughs> now, uh, just moving on to moving on to the last again. These are things I think we've kind of touched on a little bit, but just to kind of you know, I just like to like kind of ask these questions. I want to like kind of get the last few questions out of here because we want to start uh, winding down uh, soon is what were some of your uh, fictional inspirations for, for this game? And we've kind of touched on some of that already. Like we talked about heavy metal and Epic uh, already. And some of your, we just talked about some of your authors that you liked reading, but anything else particular that stands out regarding uh, any kind of fictional inspirations uh, besides, you know, like Deathlands for this game for you, from yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I love Deathlands, James Axler, just a wide variety of movies, comics, um, you know, Lucifer's Hammer, Larry Nevin, uh, One Second After, I think it's William Force Shine, I can't pronounce his name, uh, The Stand, I love Stephen King, uh, you know, a lot of pulp novels, a huge fan of that, and uh, yeah, it's just I, I can't really pinpoint it I just have a head my head is filled with um, all sorts of stories and I have to sit down and get them out of my head and I do that by writing a lot of pulp fiction and getting it down on paper and you know from, I just, exper from experience I can tell you that works better than drilling a hole into your head <laughs> oh like in uh, like in pie how you drill the hole in his head to try to get the numbers out but uh, <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah. a bad idea yeah that doesn't work. And oh yeah, you mentioned Larry. Uh, we we did actually do this whole show on uh, uh, Lucifer's Hammer because that's a, that's one that's that's like in our top favorite books is uh, that. And I learned I learned from that how to properly make beef jerky because you know it needs to be able to be filed to the hard enough to be filed to the end and stab a man and kill him. So that's that's good beef jerky, you know. Oh, uh, you know, Jared, I should have mentioned during um, the post-apocalypse uh, roundup when we were talking about. What's new in the post-apocalypse? Um, there's a, there's a uh, uh, YouTube channel, which I'm now pulling up, uh, cooking. 18th century cooking. And it's the Townsends. That's it. Um, you can find it under the heading of Townsends on YouTube. Uh, it's this guy, Townsends and Sons, is how they pr present themselves. But they basically, they do a show about recipes from the 18th century from 17 late 1700s early 1700s the the frontier and it is great for anybody out there who's a post-apocalyptic nerd okay because it's all about food that exists without refrigeration sure. uh food that exists uh you know uh charcuterie yeah I, yeah yeah I, uh, I, one of the best ones i did I was a show one of my past 
What was that? I love to cook. It's one of my passions. So I, I love to have people over and cook gourmet food and just play games and yeah. Well, next next time they play Fallen Lands, you... see if you can get them to eat some pemmican <laughs> because they had this. Pemmican is it's much better than beef jerky, regular beef jerky. So yeah, pemmican was amazing. Uh, yeah. They claimed <laughs> on that show that the stuff could stay, you know, would keep from going rancid for years yeah. and it didn't the number he threw out didn't make any sense at all to me he I mean he said something like decades and i'm like look man if you can make a food that's good next year in the in the 18th century you win okay that's amazing but he was talking you know, about <laughs> you know you have to include honey into that that whole conversation too you know like i i I swear to God, I recall an article a while back where they pulled uh, a, a clay pot of honey from the time of the pharaohs from, you know. Oh, yeah, it, it, yeah. I think I, I think I saw that. And and the guys, you know, it was fine. Not only is Holy it Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is the best food. I mean, not only is it, you know, withstand the test of time, but it's also an antibiotic for wounds. Uh, honey is incredible thing that is definitely should be in your your storage area you know so all right so uh next thing i need to get for my post-apocalypse survival arrows will be an apiary i'm gonna have to have some fucking bees yeah all right for sure well the way things are going we may have a bee apocalypse before too much longer won't that be awesome oh yeah. what, what what is what is this the 70s with the the killer bees coming up from south america remember all I that really, i it's wish it's more of a has to do with some of the big uh, fertilizer companies. Some of the stuff they're putting out is just it's killing the bees. And as you know, you know, I wanted to, you know, I have several friends who are beekeepers, and I I asked the wife. She said no, um, and I <laughs> I would have done it. I really would have done it. I I believe in doing things like that. You know, I have a really big. I have a really big, big backyard and, you know, I, I really wanted to do it, but the wife said no. And so what can you do? But well, we do these not... are dying. It's, it's, it is kind of scary and it has to do with fertilizers and pesticides. And, that, that, know. that, that's all fake news. That's not real, but, um, <laughs> you've learned anything. Yes, that is fake news. Yeah. So something I don't like is fake news. I don't like that. No, but, um, uh, moving on to just the last couple of questions, because again, I want to start winding this down here. Is uh, and again, we've talked about uh, a little bit, you know, about board, about any particular uh, board game inspirations at all uh, for this game. Um, you know, personally, I have a lot of inspiration. I can't speak for Sean. Um, you know, I love Twilight Imperium. Christian T. Peterson is one of my heroes. Um, Arkham Horror, big fan, um, you know, but as far as, you know, I play a lot of board games, uh, nothing, none of them really have to do with the topic of this game. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of these days, you know, since the last Mad Max movie came out, there's been kind of a, uh, revitalization of some of the interest in that regard but uh 
you know, most of most games kind of cover one or two, um, you know, aspects of the apocalypse, and some of them do it really well. You know, um, I feel like um, our game kind of brings a full immersive experience and depth to the whole big picture, uh, and that's kind of something I think that, you know, at least I'm hoping that we we captured it and did a good job and. You know, we're hoping that this is a game that withstands the test of time, you know, and, you know, we'll see what happens. We're not, you know, it's it's really up to the gaming community to how their thoughts on it. You know, I could I could talk all day about this game and and be happy to do that. But, you know, like, what can you do? I don't know. You'd rather be playing it. Rather be playing it. <laughs> so, uh now, I think we've, again, I think we probably touched on this a little bit here because uh, uh, we talked about the storytelling in this game. So do you think board games can tell stories as well as role-playing games? Um, that really depends. That's a really tough question, uh, Jared. Well, we ask tough questions here, John. Oh, you do. You, you very much do. Uh, you know, I would say most most board games cannot tell a story as well as an RPG, but I feel like our game can tell stories just as well as an RPG. You know, we've had a couple players mention that they're using some of our cards for their RPGs. You know, each there's probably 600 of my short stories in this game. Uh, each one is a completely unique experience. It has a lot of depth and, you know, there is a large role-playing game aspect. Uh, the feedback so far has kind of been that there's a lot larger RPG element than than maybe our biased view of the material. Um, but, you know, it's, I would say, yes, our game can tell a story, and it does tell a story. It's a very story-driven game, and each and every time you play it, you're going to have uh, a unique story series of stories that can be modified by action cards throughout the gameplay by other players. And, you know, you're never going to have the same experience. And, um, you know, I feel like they're pretty compelling stories and people have, it's been pretty positive feedback. People are really enjoying them. And that makes all of us at Fallen Dominion Studios really happy. And, you know, it's, it's really been a labor of love, man. What can I say? Oh, absolutely. Um, here's an important question that I would like to ask, and uh, we can see the answer already, is where can people find out more about the game? And more importantly, where can people go to obtain your game? Okay. Um, we are big on social media, uh, but our, our official website is www.fallendominionstudios.com. Uh, we are in, we halted our progress on revamping the website, but it is almost done. We're completely overhauling the website. So we're going to have a brand new website here soon. Uh, but our current website again is www.fallendominionstudios.com on Facebook. Uh, I am a big believer in Facebook. Uh, we have Fallen Dominion Studios LLC Facebook page. Uh, there is just literally a 13-year history of pictures and games and material for people to explore on our Facebook page. 
end on our website. Um, people can buy the game from our website. It'll take them to amazon.com. We're in the process of negotiating uh, both nationally and overseas uh, with uh, game distributors right now. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of different places you can get their game. Uh, also friendly local game stores. Uh, there's, you know, we're getting calls every day about carrying our products. So we're getting those out as quickly as we can to retailers. Uh, like I said, we're big believers in your friendly local game store and retailers. In addition to, you know, we're also big fans of Amazon. And um, despite some of the problems associated with Amazon, uh, you know, it's a great platform to be able to sell your products on. So yeah, there's, a lot of different places you can get the game. Uh, uh, the full PDF versions of uh, both Fallenland, a post-apocalyptic board game, and its expansion, uh, Journey into Darkness, uh, both those rule books can be viewed and downloaded at www.fallendominionstudios.com. And, you know, we encourage people who are watching, if you enjoy a post-apocalyptic material, you know, go, go take a look, see what you think. I mean, we hope you'll like it. Yeah, no, that's a good option. So people could go to the site, look at the rules beforehand and see if that's something that's up their alley, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we have, uh, we also are on Board Game Geek. We've gotten an 8.8 .8 rating on Board Game Geek. That's, wow, it's impressive. That's a great rating. Uh, there's also a YouTube channel. We, I must admit right away, right now, that, you know, making videos is not our, our strongest suit, we have uh, means in which we're addressing that issue, but there's there's videos, there's a lot of game reviewers, like Robert Oren just reviewed our game recently. He's, he's a Titan, Forrest Bauer. Um, there's probably about 15 more reviews rolling in here in the next few months. Uh, people have been fantastic to work with in that regard, the reviewers have really enjoyed the game and that makes us really happy because ultimately, you know, we wanted to create a game for the gaming community, br the broader gaming community for them to enjoy. And so far people are really enjoying it and that makes us really happy. So we aim to please, you know. Well, we hope that, uh, that this uh, broadcast reaches dozens, nay, scores of people who help to empty your warehouse a little bit more. Hey, we got uh, we got like over 500 followers on YouTube, so somebody's gonna see it. Oh yeah, okay, cool. That's, that's... That is awesome. Yeah, we're 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 getting up there. It's like for some for a bunch of guys that just kind of do this when they can. I think I think I think that's a decent amount of people that that have followers, right? I mean, I'm, we're not like all these people who are professional YouTubers who have tens of thousands of millions of followers, but hey. For just a couple of schmucks who just do this when they can for five, having 500 people follow us, I'm impressed. I'm I, I want to say I really enjoy your guys' show. I'm a big fan, Jared, and a big fan, Scott. And I, you know, thank you so much for having me on the show. I know, uh, Jared, we've spoken three or four times, and Scott, I think we've spoken a couple times too. And, and uh, yeah, I, hey. we just really appreciate the opportunity and thank you for inviting. Uh, me on the show to ramble on about our game and well, no no of course John. we enjoyed having you uh again it fits the subject matter which is good and you know like i said we've talked several times you're 
you're you're a nice guy. You're a good guy. You're you know our type of guy. So you know we love uh, you know helping our friends out and you know getting the word out of uh, you know a good a good post apocalyptic game to you know the post apocalyptic fans out there. So again, we appreciate you. You know spending your time with us. I know I know you have a uh, you know tight schedules because you know with work and stuff like that. So I'm glad we were able to get a time down to where we could get this uh, you know get this on celluloid. You know, <laughs> it's you know. It's been a real pleasure, you guys. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. It's I, I really hope that you both can enjoy the game for years to come. And, you know, anytime you ever want to do this again, please let me know. And, uh, yeah, I, I would love to do this again sometime. It's been fantastic. And certainly both of you, please don't be strangers. You know, I – we're friends. I'm a big fan of both of you, and uh, thank oh, you. Oh, so you much. you know we will put you back in this show as soon as you give us half an excuse. Well, I I would love that. That that would be fantastic. Oh, absolutely. So again, folks, uh, you know John from uh, Fallen Dominion Studios, Fallen Land, a post-apocalyptic board game member. The main stopping point is FallenDominionStudios.com is where you can find out more about the game, get those rules, and that'll give you links out to the social media and where to buy where you could if you want if you want to buy the game and we hope some people do um you know that's where they they could find that so uh again great conversation john again we really appreciate you uh, spending the time with us and having you on uh just a couple of last little things uh for folks um now that we're rolling again uh you know me and scott are going to get another show in, uh, down the pipe uh i'm currently go we just we just covered shift I'm working my way through Dust because I, I want to get reading that because I'd like to, you know, get out to Dust and review that. Um, oh, yeah, I saw the miniatures for that. It looks phenomenal. Oh, different Dust. But I know the Dust you're talking about. You're talking about the um, sort of gear Krieg miniature yeah. stuff. Mechanized yeah. warfare. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's very... I'm an old school Battletech player from the paper cardboard years uh, on forward to – you know, MechWarrior.com. I'm I'm on there. Oh, uh, good dust, but different dust. It was a post-apocalyptic novel, so we're gonna probably we're gonna get doing that soon. Um, and I also mentioned on my last, uh, I just posted a uh, a segment of uh, Transmission from the Bunker where I talked about how we're gonna start doing some shows called uh, Off Topic, because uh, as you well know, folks, and I said it, and I think that we go off topic all the time. So we're just gonna have a show. <laughs> Where we just talk off topic. We're not gonna. We're not gonna have a focus. We're just gonna talk about shit, and we're gonna. We're gonna bring friends on, possibly like maybe we'll get John on this to have a talk conversation with us. Let's talk about stuff. I, or may, or I maybe on again. I really would. This has been a really fun, you guys. And... Oh, absolutely. No, we we so thoroughly enjoyed having you. So we're gonna do shows like that, folks. Um, I also want to, uh, Scott. I want to do. Um, I was thinking about the other day. Do a rewatch soon of the day. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think we ever talked about the day, but you know, there's a lot about that movie that I liked. Yeah, so I think we should do a little uh do do a little review of the day because that's uh that's a fun movie that I've been wanting, been wanting to rewatch again. So okay. uh so we're so we got some stuff uh, lined up folks that we're gonna do. So um but that's gonna be it for us for this week. Again, thank you, John. Uh we appreciate all your time. Um and you know, best of luck with uh, going forward with uh, getting your game, growing, uh, getting it, getting, uh, getting, I uh, hope this gets you some exposure. Uh, we really do. Uh, we want you, cause we want you to do well. We want our friends to do good. So that's what we, we try to help when we can. So. Buy his product. 
So he's John. I'm he's Scott. Scott. And I'm this, a- this is the game, in case anyone's wondering what comes in the box. This all these goodies over here. Holy hey. crap. It just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, that's the game, kids. That's Bye. the game. So that's the game. That's Scott. I'm Jared. And uh, that's it, folks. We're going to see you next time. So in the meantime, stay safe out there. See you in the wastelands. Thank you, and good night. Good night. Take care, guys. Thanks again.